keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Friday, November 17th, 2023. The Feast of St. Gregory, and I'm going to butcher this name, Thaumaturgus. Gregory was born in Neo-Caesarea in 213 to a distinguished pagan family. He later became a disciple of Origen, and after his conversion to Christianity, Gregory was appointed the bishop of Neo-Caesarea, and where he gained fame for his doctrine and his sanctity. He earned the title Thaumaturgus, meaning miracle worker, due to, due to the extraordinary number of miracles that were attributed to him. In fact, he did so many and so grand miracles that he was compared to Moses, the prophets, and the apostles. Through prayer, for example, Gregory moved a mountain that hindered the construction of a church, showcasing the power of divine intervention. And you will also notice that the many atheists will try to claim, oh, well, you know, perhaps somebody who was healed of a sickness was healed by suggestion. They, they really, really believed and wanted to be healed, and so they got healed. They, they naturally healed by suggestion. This is impossible for the case of the miracle of the moving of the mountains. And you also think about the fact that the reason for the moving of the mountain was because that it hindered the construction of a church. There's no great reason to believe that the church could not have been built on top of the mountain or on the side of the mountain or in a different location entirely. The trivialness of the miracle is very interesting. For example, here's another miracle he did. Gregory dried up a lake that was a source of a dispute between two brothers, resolving a seemingly trivial family quarrel. Two brothers disputing over water rights. And so what does St. Gregory do? He prays over the river, or the lake rather, and it dries up. And now they have nothing to quarrel about. You think that perhaps he could have spoken to them and convinced them, but instead he performs this grand miracle. How about this story? He stopped the flooding of the Icus River by planting his staff, which transformed into a tree. This is very interesting because in this time, everybody who lived near rivers, it was part of daily life that you would recognize that the river would flood and the surrounding areas would get flooded. And yet, to simply make life a little bit easier, he does this. It's very interesting. Now, he also expelled devils from idols and possessed individuals, showcasing his special power over demonic forces. On his deathbed, Gregory learned that the number of heretics and Neo-Caesarea have been reduced down to only 17. He rejoiced with this because when he became bishop of Neo-Caesarea, there were only 17 Catholics in his diocese. And by his death, there was only 17 heretics. What a grace. He was also noted a theological writer, and he was illustrative of the teachings of the Catholic faith. He also had a very anti-ecumenical stance as he held about the presence of devils in all the idols of the pagans and rejected the idea that all religions are equally good. 
his satisfaction at the reduction of heretics, and his diocese reflects his commitment to the mission. Now, why is it interesting that I bring up how trivial or seemingly trivial all of those miracles are? Think about it this way, and think about this as a question of what should we ask from St. Gregory on this, his feast day? Well, if God works such astonishing miracles through St. Gregory in order to resolve small problems, how much more pleased would he, our Lord, be to assist us in the spiritual necessities of our lives? How many mountains of bad habits do we have to be removed from our souls? How many lakes of self-love to be dried up? Or how many floods of worldly attachments to be stopped? We should direct ourselves to our Lord through Our Lady, asking these favors with filial confidence. So what do we ask for from St. Gregory on this, his feast day? Well, let's ask him for all things necessary in our spiritual life, to get rid of the mountains in our life, to dry up the lakes of self-love, and to stop the floods of worldly attachments. St. Gregory Thaumaturgus, pray for for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. And I took a page from this great saint today. I know you've been having trouble with your truck, so I... I took it upon myself just to total your truck and get rid of it. (laughs) You don't have a problem anymore. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Isn't that great? That's great, Rudy. (laughs) I'm so happy. Uh, I can't give you a ride home today either. It's like, dude, you know how they say mo money, mo problems? Mm -hmm. Well, the good news is I depleted your bank account. (laughs) Oh, wow. So now you have no problems, right? Oh, great. Well, um, I guess... I didn't know you could deplete it even further than our pretty <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's impressive. It's like, wow, that's a mere point of itself. <laughs> How'd you spend money that I didn't have? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so good. That's awesome. But with the St. Gregory, really impressive. Moving a mountain. Like people, you know, with sacred scripture says, faith to move a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. Well, St. Gregory took it literally. He was like, well, if the Bible says I can do it, then I'm going to do it. And he did it. Praise be to God. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's pretty great. What a grace. Uh, Now, I think it's super cool that we made it to the weekend. Can you believe it? Honestly. (laughs) It was sure to come, and now we're here. I was not certain it was going to (laughs) come. Really? I had doubts. Oh, man. I had doubts that the weekend was going to make it. I actually, some people will follow me on Twitter. The Twitter is where I... uh, I just put my stream of consciousness throughout the day. Monday morning, I tweeted. I was like, oh, man, it's been a long week. (laughs) (laughs) It was like 10 in the morning on a Monday. And I was like, whew, long week. That was was me on Wednesday. I was like, man. (laughs) You seen that meme of. um, Thanks be to God. It's Friday. Tintin. Yeah, I've seen that. He's like, he's like, oh, what a week. Captain. It's only Wednesday. <laughs> that was me. So praise be to God. We made it to the weekend. Do you have any plans? Uh, no, nah, I might just ah, I might just tool around in the garage. We'll see. That's it cool. depends. That's cool. I've gotten to a point where I can get my daughter to kind of hang out with me in there. So that takes a little bit of the burden off my wife, and we can both hang out together and be fine in the same place doing our own thing, which is awesome. Hmm. Very good. Praise be to God. I am trying to think about what I'm doing this weekend. I'm doing something, but it's just completely escaped my mind. I know I'm going to a concert on Sunday after mass 
And then tomorrow I am, and this is why you should make a calendar and keep a calendar because I am like completely blank. Oh, I remember. I'm going out with my buddy Timothy and some other guys, and we're going to talk about Ren- the errors of Rene Descartes. So riveting, riveting. exciting. <laughs> some people like to go skydiving. Some people go to the shooting range. And me and my buddies, we uh, discuss the philosophy of Rene Descartes. You know who would love to be there? Dave Palmer. Dave Palmer. Yeah. Speaking of Dave Palmer, coming up in the next hour, Dave Palmer is going to be joining us from Back to the Father to talk about Thanksgiving, um, not the holiday, but the act of making a Thanksgiving. At 15 past the hour, Bishop Strickland was on with Raymond Arroyo to talk about what happened to him. We'll discuss that. Plus, a fight broke out. And a senator challenged somebody to a fight. We're going to talk about that because I thought that was hilarious. At 30 past the hour, Sean McAfee is on to talk about sacramentals. So all this coming up in this hour or in the show today. So let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, amen. We're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is you have going on this weekend, for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. And in a special way, I pray for my grandfather. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. O Lord, who art ever merciful and bounteous with thy gifts, look down upon the suffering souls in purgatory. Remember not their offenses and negligences, but be mindful of thy loving mercy, which is from all eternity. Cleanse them of their sins and fulfill their ardent desires, that they may be made worthy to behold thee face to face in thy glory. May they soon be united with thee and hear those blessed words which will come, which will call them to their heavenly home. Come, blessed of my Father, take possession of the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today. For all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, and those in my own home, and within my family. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are just some of your breaking news and headlines this morning. I might convince you just now to start buying organic food, okay? Common pesticides have been linked to a reduction in sperm count, according to a study. Pesticides commonly used to protect crops have been associated with a decline in sperm concentration, as revealed by a study in the Environmental Health Perspectives. Researchers compared sperm concentrations in agricultural workers exposed to high pesticide levels with those of minimally exposed individuals and found a strong link between two common pesticides and declining sperm concentration. Other factors contributing to a 50% decline uh, over the past 50 years include obesity, plastic pollution, and other things. Let's see, uh, forever chemicals according to previous research. And the Polish New Left Party pushes pro-abortion bills in new coalition government. Polish lawmakers from the New Left Party have proposed two bills aiming to liberalize abortion laws following the Conservative Party's diminished majority after the 2023 elections. One bill seeks to permit uh, elective abortions up to 12 uh, weeks, while the other aims to eliminate criminal penalties for those aiding illegal abortions. Current laws only allow abortions in cases of maternal life risk, which aren't abortions at all, and others uh, which are, uh, they come from illegal sexual activities, we shall say. Uh, 
The left-wing party prioritizing so-called women's rights faces uncertainty in passing these bills within the new coalition government, which includes left-wing, centrist, and third-way parties, the latter suggesting a national referendum on abortion legalization. But crazier things have happened, so let's pray that God frustrates all of their plans. And here's a really interesting uh, story here. There's a, a trend here in the stories today. More TikTok users are turning to the app for news, a Pew study shows. The percentage of TikTok users who regularly access news via the app rose to 43% in 2023 from 22% last year, according to a new study from the Pew Research Center, which found that half of U.S. adults get at least some of their news from social media. Pew's analysis of news consumption by America is based on a survey of eight, almost 9,000 U.S. adults conducted from September 25th to October 1st, found news websites or apps were used 67% of those were used by 67% of those surveyed. Uh, regular news consumers on uh, Nextdoor, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok are more likely to be women, Pew found, while uh, regular news consumers on Reddit, X, and LinkedIn, as well as YouTube, are, for more, more are more likely to be men, according to the study. Those are some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel of the Day comes from Luke chapter 17, verses 26 through 20s, or 37. 26 through 37. Now, we're only going to focus in on verse 32 here. Verse 32 says, remember Lot's wife? That's it. That's the whole verse. Remember Lot's wife. Now, I'm going to ask you two. Do you remember Lot's wife? Well, she perished because she looked back. At Sodom and Gomorrah, she looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Less says St. Ambrose, as she looked back on the burning Sodom against the command of the angels and was changed into a pillar of salt. So you also against these commandments of mine may return to the life of the world and perish with that which is perishing and burning. Augustine says, what is the meaning of Lot's wife? She represents those who look back in tribulation and separate themselves from the hope of the divine promise and who are therefore changed into a pillar of salt that by admonishing men not to do the same, they may, as it were, season their hearts and not become fools. So here is my advice to you. Remember Lot's wife. Do not turn back on your past life. Do not turn back on your sins. Do not look back longingly on the days where you are not yoked with the burden of the gospel because his burden is easy and his yoke is light. So let us not be like Lot's wife, but instead imitate our Lord. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, 
do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you today. You know, there were some stories that came out, and I really, really wanted to talk about the senator who challenged somebody to a fight. That was hilarious. And hopefully we'll have time to get to that story. But first we have to talk about this. This morning, I saw an interview with Raymond Arroyo talking about Bishop Strickland. He actually interviewed Bishop Strickland on what happened to him. So I'm sure you're familiar with the generally what happened over the weekend. He was removed from his office. And so there was speculation about what happened. And so Raymond Arroyo interviewed Bishop Strickland. And he disclosed the details of his face-to-face meeting with the U.S. Nuncio, uh, Cardinal Christopher Pierre. Now, it was very interesting. Bishop Strickland, a very humble man, said that the Cardinal was actually very apologetic and didn't really want to deliver the news. And Bishop Strickland said that he told, said that, uh, he told him, Oh, I understand. It's your job. This is what you have to do. And that he didn't make a big deal out of it. To Cardinal Pierre. Now, he said surprisingly, the bishop noted that a, not a single administrative, administrative concern was raised during this encounter. So the claim that he was in trouble because of administration issues seems to be at least not what Cardinal Pierre told to Bishop Strickland. Now, instead, the cardinal emphasized a perceived lack of, quote, fraternity with the other bishops, end quote. And he also mentioned resistance to the synod and failure to implement Traditionis Custodis. You may remember Traditionis Custodis. It was the document that restricted the traditional Latin mass uh, to be very restrictive. And in the Diocese of Tyler, he basically allowed things to continue as normal. Uh, not that it's like very prevalent in, in Tyler or anything. My little brother actually is in the Diocese of Tyler and he is... um was telling me that they were building a fraternity church. They just had land donated to them. And so now they're worried about what's going to happen because they had, don't even have a church yet. And so whoever takes over after Strickland, they're very worried about what's going to happen to their parish. Now, the Bishop Strickland candidly shared his perspectives on the alleged lack of fraternity with his brother bishops. He believes it boils down to his outspokenness and firm commitment to addressing issues that, in his view, demand attention. He also expressed in the interview that it was uh, he had a good relationship with them generally, that he talked to them, very cordial. He's not like he went over and started chastising people in the elevator. He's on the elevator. He's like, Brother Bishop, how dare you for not agreeing with me and speaking out? Um, he never did that. He was like, I, I mean, I had a great relationship with them. He said, if I had to guess what they mean by that is that he's not 
just agreeing with everything everybody says and that he's calling everybody uh, publicly to a to a higher calling. Uh, Strickland expressed concerns about bishops still in their positions despite connections to McCarrick scandal and highlighted a perceived double standard in the church's response. Now, he also acknowledged his decision not to implement Traditionis Custodis fully, explaining that he could not deprive a portion of the flock of the traditional Latin mass. It's interesting in his, uh, when he was talking about it, he said they, he only has a few traditional Latin mass communities and they're bursting at the seams. They're already completely full. And he said, I mean, that's, that's all he's doing. It's no big deal, but it's already full that they need more actually more than they have. He said this, he believes was one of the sticking points for the Vatican. Furthermore, Bishop Strickland reiterated his unwavering commitment to upholding traditional Catholic teachings emphasizing the importance of fidelity to deposit of faith. Now, many people are saying that it's because he said um, that Pope Francis is trying to restrict something that is sacred. And people were saying, oh, he's saying that the Trishalad Mass is sacred, but the Novus Ordo is not. This is obviously not what Bishop Strickland is saying. How do I know that? Because Bishop Strickland almost exclusively says the Novus Ordo. Bishop Strickland has said the Trishalad Latin Mass a handful of times. How do I know that? Because I actually know the priests and deacons who serve his Latin mass. And he's only done it a handful of times. His daily masses and 99% of his public masses are all Novus Ordo. I think he did um, some sacraments for the fraternity in the traditional form, but he had to get an MC to teach him because he actually doesn't know how to say it. He's not very well versed in it. He's just saying that it's sacred. The, the Latin mass is sacred and it's being restricted. So that's what he's trying to get across. He's not insulting the Novus Ordo. Now, he's contrary to expectations, Bishop Strickland clarified that no administrative concerns were presented during the meeting with Cardinal Pierre. He expressed his satisfaction with the stability of his diocese, highlighting accomplishments such as surpassing fundraising goals and welcoming of new seminarians and priests, which, you know, I was aware of new seminarians coming from other dioceses. I actually have a friend who did that. and But he also mentioned that there was a number of priests who joined his diocese who requested, which means the priest must have requested from his diocese permission to leave and God was granted that permission. And then he was incarnated into Strickland's diocese. So I didn't know that. And he mentioned that in the interview. So that was interesting. Despite the Vatican's authority to remove a bishop, Bishop Strickland emphasized his commitment to being faithful to Christ. He expressed a willingness to accept the decision without appeal and noting that challenging it could be perceived as disrespectful to the Holy Father. So he made the great point. He said, originally, I was requested to step down. And I was like, okay, well, I'm being asked. I'm going to say no. But then he was ordered to step down. He said, okay, well, if the Holy Father is demanding that I step down, then I will respect his decision. The interview also touched on Bishop Strickland's previous statements, including those suggesting concerns about Pope Francis's government, a uh, governance rather, and the legitimacy of his papacy. The bishop clarified his position, affirming Pope Francis's legitimacy, but expressing profound disagreements with certain statements and actions. So it's very clear. So those who were accusing Bishop Strickland of being a set of a contest and denying the papacy of Pope Francis. Uh, one, if he denied the papacy of Pope Francis, why would he listen to him when he told him to step down? And two, if someone said that, they should uh, be called to repentance because that is a, a calumny 
and it is a uh, rash judgment. And I think that would be very uncharitable for someone to accuse him of that when clearly he accepts Pope Francis. He recognizes Pope Francis and he recognizes his legitimacy and obeys Pope Francis. Um, so, I mean, that's just simply the case. Uh, so in conclusion, Bishop Strickland conveyed his commitment to remain faithful to Christ and the deposit of faith. He asserted his responsibility as a successor of the apostles to share the truth and express a desire to continue serving despite uncertainties about the future. So that's the interview. I highly recommend reading, uh, listening to the whole interview. It was a approximately 30 minute interview uh, with Raymond Arroyo and it was excellent. I very much enjoyed the interview. He did a great job and uh, that's your uh, recap of it. I told you I'd keep you up to date as we learn more information. So there you go. Now, I did want to bring up, and this is a story I really wanted to talk about. This was on my, my short list of things. So I'm glad we have time to talk about it because this story cracked me up. Now, okay. Disclaimer. So before anybody gets upset with me, um, Rudy's already looking at me like, bro, what are you going to say? Why are you look? Why are you don't do it, Adrian? Don't do it. Uh, obviously I don't support violence. People should not fight. But at the same time, this was really funny. Uh, So on November 15th, during a Senate hearing on a corporate greed, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, a Republican from Oklahoma, confronted a witness, Sean M. O'Brien, the general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Mullen challenged O'Brien to a fistfight, bringing the hearing to a standstill. The altercation unfolded as Mullen read a social media post by O'Brien criticizing the senator's business acumen. The heated exchange included Mullen standing up and challenging O'Brien with Senator Chairman Bernie Sanders intervening to prevent a physical altercation. Mullen later defended his actions, stating that in Oklahoma, one is expected to be called out for disrespectful remarks. O'Brien criticized Mullen's behavior, stating that he chose not to act like a U.S. senator. The incident occurred amid a backdrop of increased tensions in Congress marked by confrontations and breaches of decorum. You're right. Breaches of decorum. Big deal. Yeah. I mean, the Congress and the Senate have been breaching decorum for the past several months. And who even cares anymore? Uh, No, I mean, I would actually wish that they would keep decorum in all reality. But. The funny thing about this was people were making fun of They're like, oh, that'd be so funny to watch a senator fight. As it turns out, Senator Mullen was a professional MMA fighter. So I look up the senator because I've never heard of him. He's a Republican in Oklahoma. And I mean, I don't keep up with all the senators. And so I looked this guy up and he's had three professional MMA fights, professional MMA fights, not not just an MMA fight, but professional ones. Like that's high level. And then not only did he have three of them, he won all three of them. And I'm like, holy moly, this guy was like actually going to beat this guy up. Like he's a a legit fighter. So I was really shocked by that. Now, obviously, we don't want fighting. We don't want things settled with violence. Uh, However, at the same time, I there was a tweet years ago, like two years ago. uh, Mike Tyson tweeted out. That because the people were making uh, were insulting people on on Twitter, and he said people have become way too comfortable with saying whatever they want without getting punched in the mouth. And I think that's really true. I think that people feel like because we live in a society in the 21st century that's very violence averse, 
and they perceive that things will never escalate to violence, that they can say and do whatever they want because they have no fear of repercussion, especially on social media. On social media, people feel like they can say anything and everything because what's going to happen to them, especially if they're anonymous, what's going to happen to them? So I, at the same time, I think it's, it's kind of a good thing because this guy is insulting Senator Mullen on Twitter and accusing him of all these things. And he's like, Hey, look, you disrespect, disrespect me in Oklahoma. We have a way of doing the settling things. Let's fight. Mano a mano and we'll settle our differences right now. And I think it's interesting because I mean, not every state, and this is not legal advice, but I'm pretty sure in Texas, it's actually a, a mutual combat state where you're allowed to fight somebody as long as there are witnesses. It's in generally a public area, quote unquote, and it is, um, there is no phys- uh, serious bodily harm done. I'm not a lawyer, so don't take that as advice because I don't know if that's 100% accurate. And I don't know what the laws on other states are, but I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. And I, I know a lot of those in other states have been removed as laws. But it's really interesting. I mean, men used to settle things like men. And they used to be able to settle their differences and they'd move on. Okay, they slug it out and then they hug and we move on. We settled our differences. I mean, that's how it is. I mean, you ever watch a boxing fight or an MMA fight? The guys fight. They are beating each other up. And at the end of the fight, they hug it out. And they recognize, yay, we're, we have respect for one another. We realize we both were had the courage to get in the ring. Even if they lost, the other person lost, they still had the courage to stand by who they are. And we'll be right back. We're going to talk about Sacramentals right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who did God use to get John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's your choices. Could it have been Simeon or St. Joseph or maybe an unknown prophet? Maybe Jesus. Who was it? Your answer in a moment. Secondly, so what methods do we see in the New Testament for Christians receiving the Holy Spirit? Well, it was usually through the laying on of hands. Peter and John laid hands on those in Samaria. St. Paul laid hands on those believers in Ephesus. Prior to that, we see Jesus merely breathing on the apostles. So here's your answer. A greeting. Yes, a greeting. You see, after Gabriel's powerful annunciation to the Virgin Mary, a simple, profound greeting from Mary to Elizabeth caused John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he leaped in her womb. Now, to all my daring Pentecostal church friends, no matter how much you pray in tongues over someone, this method won't work. Why? Because it's not a method. It was the divine team of the Blessed Trinity, Gabriel, Mary, and Elizabeth. And that, my friend, will not happen again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines. Now, continuing that little through line here from the stories earlier, here's another TikTok story, and this one's kind of concerning, actually. The Guardian removes Osama bin Laden's 2002 Letter to America after TikTokers view videos praising it more than 10 million times. 
Bin Laden's letter, titled Letter to America, was an explanation of the ideology that led him to orchestrate the 9-11 terrorist attacks. But since the letter also included support for Palestinians and criticism of Israel, The Guardian's article, which was first published in 2002, began to go viral on social media this week due to the Israel-Hamas war. Anti-Israel activists have uh, latched onto Bin Laden's letter and praised the deceased terrorists on social media for his criticism of the United States' support for establishing and maintaining a Jewish state in the Middle East. And the FBI has uh, decided to probe some satanic pedophiles after one of them uses a racial slur. The FBI is finally investigating a satanic pedophilic gang and has long, that has long blackmailed and extorted minors to harm themselves and generate uh, child pornography. The FBI's primary reason for investigating the group came only when the agency alleged that one of the gang members was a white supremacist. Notably, the individual in question had in the past used several anti-white slurs. Now, those are some of your headlines this morning, but uh, thank you very much for listening to Catholic Drive Time, and may God bless all of your holy efforts today and this weekend. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, Rudy, that story. I, Which yikes. one? The, the uh, TikTok one? The TikTok. No, no, no. Well, I oh. mean, uh, no, no, the um, Satanist one. The, the, yeah, the Satanist. Yeah, so I, I, I mentioned this story several months ago. Uh, it was basically, watch out for these gangs. This is what they go by, yada, yada, yada. Nothing had come of it until just now when they found out that one of them was a an alleged white supremacist. Actually, I think when I mentioned the story a few months ago, they mentioned that in the report as something that they knew about this this gang. Uh, they're like Odinists. They're uh, white supremacists, uh, like actual white supremacists. Uh, so... I guess it just had to be that for them to uh, investigate this egregious crime. Yeah. I saw that story this morning and I was like, uh, should I talk about that? Or is that a little, a little too much? Uh, but, you know, when I saw the pictures, they don't, they don't look white. Hmm. Are they white? I didn't see any pictures. So Okay. So some people posted some pictures of um, some of these people. And, I mean, one of these people, his middle name is Luis. And I'm like, are these... What race are these people? And I'm thinking, I think they might just be pagans. I think they're they're pagans and they're coming together in in sort of support of this these these pagan ideas. Yeah, it could be. It could be that's the case. I perhaps I'll read the entire story. Maybe we'll talk about it next week because I saw this and I, I was like, ah, I don't know. Should we talk about this? Maybe not on a Friday. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. So I was gonna. I think I'm gonna save it till next week. But it, it was very concerning. I saw this story and I was like, huh. And then I saw the headline. It was like something about white supremacy. But then the picture underneath it was a guy that looks a little Hispanic. It looks uh, <laughs> kind of Mexican. And I'm like, hmm. There's something in the story that doesn't smell right. Yeah. You know, back in the '90s, there used to be this uh, this thing, and I think it was a, a holdover from the '80s. It was this thing called Satanic Panic. And everybody was like, well, you guys are looking for the devil under every rock, you know. And they were kind of making a joke about people who were cautioning this this, this stuff. You know, like, oh, you know, Satanism's on the rise. And they turned it into a joke. And sure enough, most people forgot about it. 
Oh, that's the thing, right? Yeah. It is under every rock pretty much. It kind of is, yeah. And so uh, this is just another reason. We give you uh, maybe five reasons a week as to why you shouldn't let your kids be on social media because these people – uh, they they come to your children and they you know harass them they, uh, they get them get them comfortable with with them and then they ask them for all kinds of egregious things. Social media is not a good place for for children, yeah. not even teenagers. I would not even especially not teenagers. You know, so I I would avoid social media at all costs. It's very detrimental. I don't see what the positive is for having social media, especially mm-hmm. as a kid. I don't know what the argument would be for allowing a child to have social media. You know, back back when it uh, started taking off, and not just social media, but the internet, mm-hmm. uh, there was this this concept of we're going to be so much more connected, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, we're going to connect with our friends all the time. It's going to be great. And I think it was like that in the beginning, but now we have to wonder what the purpose of the social media is. Is it really that we're connecting with people? Because uh, I don't. I don't think most people use social media in that way anymore. No, no, it's really not. And I was, I can't remember the study anymore. It's been a long time, but I remember seeing years ago a study and I'm guessing it's probably only gotten worse to be honest, but it was talking about cyberbullying mm-hmm. and how people, the suicide rates, there's a huge element to it that is directly related to cyberbullying. And I think, I mean, bullying has always been a thing. So why is it so much worse today than it has been in the past? Well, I would say that, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I think one element to it is that you never get to go away from, from the bullies. The bullies follow you home. Whereas in the past, you might get bullied at school, which is a kind of an argument for homeschool. But you might get bullied at school, but then you what, spend only a few hours a day at school. You spend the rest of your day with your family at home. You have your siblings, you have your parents, and you have the weekends. But now we have uh, the average family has, what, 1.5 kids? Um, don't know how that number works out. I'm just kidding. I know how it works out. I don't know, Adrian. I think I think you can still get bullied at home, especially by your older sibling. That's eh, not the same. My sister bullied me. Oh, yeah. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Getting bullied by your siblings and getting bullied by some stranger at school is totally different. That sounds different. like what the older child would say. I'm the second. Um, really? Yeah. So you didn't get bullied? Uh, but I, did I get bullied by my sister? Mm-hmm. Yeah, many times. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it was fine. It's no big deal. <laughs> We're over it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I never I, – I, we were um, – as a family – I mean, we fought all the time, but I don't think we ever bullied each other. We pretty we played with each other. We enjoyed each other's company, mm-hmm. and we fought quite a bit, but it wasn't a big deal. But it's totally different. Like when you're getting bullied by a stranger at school, like uh, there's yeah. always been. I mean, I don't know about your family, but in our family, it was always you, your your friends. Friends come and go, but your family's forever, mm-hmm. and. And our, we stood up for each other. I mean, my sister stood up for me um, many times at school when I was little. And we we always took care of one another. I mean, we weren't, we weren't perfect, but we took care of each other. And I think the adding of social media was, like, if you got bullied at school, the bullies follow you home. Like, you get bullied 24-7. You're on your phone and you're getting bullied on social media. You're getting text messages. You're getting Instagram posts. You're 
yeah, the comments on your on your post are getting all these evil and bad things being put underneath it. It's public. It destroys your your image, your persona, yeah. in, in the in the eyes and the minds of all your peers. So yeah, I think it is a lot more egregious in and, a public setting. And if you decide to move, like if you really didn't like your school and your family decided to move you to a different school, it don't matter. You're going to get followed, and everyone at your new school can find out everything else because it's all on social media. Like I remember whenever I transferred over to because I was at a public school and then my mom transferred for us over to a Catholic school. And I mean, nobody knew anything about me, like nothing. And if you look me up, there is nothing to find out about me. And I'm I'm 25 years old. We had social media. My mom just didn't let us have phones until we were in high school. And I mean, in retrospect, I'd probably be like, not until you're old enough to buy it yourself and buy your own phone. <laughs> um, but the yeah, I mean, you're you're there. And I remember nobody knew who I was. And they only knew what I told them. If I told them I was X, Y, or Z, they just kind of had to go with that. They didn't know anything else that was happening to me. And I think that's a very, very different world than what kids find themselves in today. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the uh, that's always the message, right? Keep your kids away from all these social media sites. They're just detrimental, detrimental to to children. There is uh, nothing positive that can come from anything, uh, any any one of these things. So I highly recommend people to prevent or delay giving your kids social media for as long as possible. And if you already did, well, it's, it's a hard thing to take it away. It's a very, very hard thing. It would be the best thing is to just take it away from them, especially if they're younger, where they have less ability to resist. But that would be the number one thing to do. The number two thing to do would be heavily, heavily monitor and to try to put, you know, blocking devices on their phones like covenant eyes and things like that. Have a conversation with them about it. Yeah. About the harms. What's going on in the world with social media? Yeah, Very it's not the best that. option. But, yeah. I mean, if you're going to give them social media, that's the best you can do. All right, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, who is to blame when Catholics leave the church? That's the question. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard it said that the church has been weak and ineffective? Well, G.K. Chesterton says the church has been so powerful and effective that it colored even the things it had not hoped to influence and changed its enemies as well as its friends. It affects everything it touches. It inspires a life-changing love from its friends and a self-destructive hatred from its enemies. Its enemies will do everything to destroy it, and they end up destroying everything, except the church. The Catholic Church, says Chesterton, has endured for 2,000 years, and the world within the church has been more lucid, more level-headed, more reasonable in its hopes, more healthy in its instincts, more humorous and cheerful in the face of fate and death than all the world outside. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ladies, 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. You know, there was an interesting article that came out from Crisis Magazine. And it was titled, Who is to Blame When Catholics Leave the Church? Now, the article was really interesting because there was a thing going around where people were saying, Hey, look. This uh, whole, this whole talking about the crisis in the church thing—you're causing people to leave the faith. And it came to a head when Eric Salmon shared a email he received about somebody who left the church for orthodoxy, and it was very concerning to see things like this happen. And many people were attacking Eric Salmon's because of this. For instance, uh, for example, he, the, the man who left for the Orthodox religion, the Orthodox schismatics, they, the letter, he mentioned the fact that the liturgies are so poor and so awful that he could not handle it anymore. And so he left to go to the Orthodox Church, who has beautiful liturgies. Now, obviously, that's a horrible reason to join the Orthodox Church. I mean, there's not a really a good reason to join the Orthodox Church. They are schismatics who deny that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. They deny the papacy and all sorts of other things. But to say that this is Eric Salmon's fault because he promotes beautiful liturgies and says that things should be better in the church is, in my mind, utter insanity. Like You don't blame the guy who's trying to make things better because it points out that things are bad. I, that, that just seems very wrong, right? If somebody is saying, hey, look, let's improve. Let's do things the correct way, the better way. And someone else responds to that by saying, oh, you shouldn't talk like that because now people are going to leave the church because of all the horrible liturgies. That's just simply a very erroneous way of thinking. Uh, so I think we'll talk about this article in its entirety a, another day. Uh, but joining us right now is Sean McAfee, or I think that's how you pronounce it. Immediately I was thinking about the security, McAfee security. But Sean is a convert to the Catholic faith and a lay Dominican and he is also, maybe you've heard of it, he's the founder and editor of EpicPew.com. But for our purposes, he's the author of Copendium of Sacramentals. Um, good morning to you, Mr. McAfee. Yep, you got the name right. Good morning, and I'm uh, glad to join you for a conversation today on a slightly better topic than uh, than Eric Salmon's current ordeal. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, now, Sean, a very interesting book because I've actually been... Uh, creating a video series on sacramentals, and I had gone through the brown scapular, the green scapular, and the miraculous medal, and I gotta say, finding information about some of the sacramentals, like the green scapular, it was very, very difficult. Uh, so tell me, why did you decide to write this book? 
Um, I was curious. You know, I'm a convert, and I've been, you know, using sacramentals, been possessing them for quite a while. But, of course, I, I wanted to know more. And the more that I had discovered in the last several years, I just felt, you know, as a writer, I, I felt compelled to share that. Um, I had discovered in, in my writings with Catholic Answers a short little booklet in their 20 Answer series, uh, making apologetics for sacramentals and relics, just a plethora, maybe 90,000 words plus of information on sacramentals. And I was just enamored with the subject. And I knew that I had a lot of content for a quality book. I didn't have in mind at the time, the kind of book that we're talking about now, Compendium of Sacramentals, which is just beautiful. I'm holding it in my hands right now. Um, but yeah, I was just compelled out of curiosity myself and the desire to share. Now, this book, immediately people think sacramentals and they think brown scapular, miraculous metal, but that's not exactly what a sacramental is. Yes, those are examples of sacramentals, but what is a sacramental? Right. So kind of to put it, to put it bluntly, the, the sacramentals are sacred signs that bear resemblance to the sacraments. You know, that's, that's really a definition. They signify effects. They don't actually give effects like the sacraments. So what the sacramentals are supposed to do is they're supposed to dispose us to have a heart that wants to seek after sanctification through the efficacious grace of the sacraments, the sanctifying grace that we can only receive through the sacraments. So they come with it as signs, um, and they fall into three categories, and that's blessings, exorcisms, a lot of people don't realize that, and uh, signs and items of popular devotion, which is what exactly you were saying, the typical you know, rosaries and whatnot. Now, people would say, okay, exorcism, you, well, I mean, only people who are possessed would receive an exorcism, right? Uh, so why yeah. would that be a sacramental? Well, it's a sacramental because, again, it disposes uh, the, the believer or the one affected with the intercession of the Church through Jesus Christ in order to have a life of sanctification. Of course, in the particular existence of, sac of, of exorcisms, um, we are removing the evil presence or safeguarding uh, something from a future evil presence in order to be set aside for God's work. Right. And then many people would be, uh, think, of course, of uh, major exorcisms that um, whenever they hear the word exorcism, they think movie, movie exorcisms. But there are also minor exorcisms that are performed on things like a St. Benedict medal, like on holy water, or even the exorcisms that are done in the rite of baptism. Uh, what about those? Those are absolutely correct. Yep. And those are the most common ones that anybody will find. You know, a parent, I always say that, you know, they, they might be thinking about the candle in their hands or the child's hands next to them whenever they're uh, receiving a baptism for, you know, one of their multiple children. But uh, truth is, is, is parents um, concede to the existence of an exorcism right then and there in baptism. In fact, in the traditional Latin rite, or the extraordinary form of baptism, which I, we had performed on one of our children, um, we're very grateful to have that while we were overseas in Italy. Uh, there's actually three exorcisms performed. So, you know, <laughs> they're there, and uh, we might not always realize it, but exorcisms are being performed. Uh, now, major exorcisms are a totally different suit. Those are only authorized by a bishop or a trained priest. Now, many people are, are not aware 
of the kind of permissions around certain sacramentals. And I'm thinking, especially since you're a lay Dominican of the Dominican order, for instance, they have particular sacramentals that are unique to the Dominican order, and you can only receive them when you are associated with the Dominican order. It used to be even the blessings of the rosary was reserved for Dominican priests and a couple others. Um, but I'm thinking also of the angelic warfare confraternity and things like that. Uh, so tell me about some of these like permissions that are surrounding certain sacramentals. Seems odd to certain people. Right. So the one that comes to mind, especially within the Dominican order for, for the laity, would that be the third order, the tertiaries, is the wearing of the white scapular. You know, um, first of all, they're extremely hard to find. <laughs> I bet. You're probably, you're only given one really if you're, if you receive your temporary promises. Um, but also we wear the Dominican cross as well for final promises. But in the meantime, um, what the, what the, the reason that we kind of say, hey, look, it's only for ours is, is we ascend to and discern for six years a, a life uh, with, that's heavily guarded. Um, and there are expectations about how we will live our daily life. You know, the, the four pillars, of course, of the Dominican order, but also the keeping of the, the daily rosary and the, and the, divine, uh, the, the divine office. But, you know, the, the Dominicans aren't the only ones to do this. Um, in fact, the brown scapular, which you can find just about anywhere, um, the Carmelites continue to preach and try to enforce, at least to the maximum extent practical, practicable, um, the safeguarding of that, which is a proper investiture, which anybody can receive without becoming a Carmelite, but it does promise that you will live within a certain uh, few sets of uh, tenants, you know, to include, um, well, that would give you the Sabatine privilege that's so famous associated with that scapular. Okay, so you mentioned the Sabatine privilege, so now I have to ask about the Sabatine privileges. Great debate amongst uh, people on whether or not the Sabatine privilege is real and what's required of it. So tell me about uh, that in terms of the, the details of the brown scapular. Right, so this, the first of all, it, it comes from St. Simon Stock, um, which is a brown scapular. And you know this, it says that this is a privilege to, the Virgin Mary visited him and said that this is a privilege to all of you Carmelites and anyone dying in this habit shall not suffer from eternal fire. Um, that is the basis of the Sabatine privilege. Of course, it's extended to um, to the laity and anybody who wears it. But there is a proper investiture that comes with it. And what they do is they promise that upon wearing, they will uh, have an increase of pious devotion um, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, that they will seek a life of the uh, that, that seeks the indulgences that comes with the wearing the brown scapular, you, you know, to include kissing it. Um, and that they will uh, recite the rosary every day. Um, there are probably other ones that I'm, I'm forgetting, but there's kind of a, a, a stock set of um, behaviors and norms that, that come with wearing it. It's not just as simple as you know putting it around your neck, and it's not hocus pocus or um, some sort of sacrilege that would say uh, you know that pr- would promote that sort of thinking. Um, it really is a matter of, of pious devotion. Uh, that comes with practice rather than uh, some sort of enchantment uh, like an amulet that you put around you for good luck. Oh, that's a great point. I want to pick up on that in the last few minutes that we have here and just ask you, you know, there's a lot of people who have these uh, questions or they, they think that these sacramentals are these superstitious things. Like I've heard people say, I'll never take off my scapular because if I take it off, then it's over. Like, what would you say to somebody like that? Um, I would say that that's superstitious. Um, first of all, I would remind them about the, the way that the church has always taught about sacramentals is that unlike the sacraments, so the, so actually let me, let me kind of reverse there. So the sacraments 
operate uh, what the church calls ex opere operato, and that's a Latin phrase that means by the work itself. So the sacraments provide efficacious grace, which means they always work, um, no matter, um, you know, so long as the there is the intent of the person um, administering that sacrament and the disposition of the person receiving it. Um, so, for example, uh, baptism, you know, would be, be the intent to, to provide the full effects of baptism and receive it as well. Um, you wouldn't you would you would have that efficacious grace every single time. But sacramentals do not operate this way. They only operate through the intercession of the church and they signify the effects of the sacraments. So they are really just the you know, not to say they're not efficacious at all, because we can get into that. But. Um, they are really just signifying spiritual effects that you can receive elsewhere. They are, again, there to dispose us and move our hearts to receive something. So if I have a crucifix hanging around my neck or on my wall, I should be able to be moved by that with contrition for my sin because of what that crucifix represents. But just having that crucifix there doesn't, you know, bless my home. That comes with the actual blessing uh, through the intercession of the priest who is, you know, representing the church at that moment. So I don't want to over-explain. There's, there's a, what I would, what the, that would be the direct way that I would answer that is for the that individual to not be superstitious, but to understand that, you know, they can take that that off. In fact, I mean, I believe that the Carmelites would recommend that. You know, you shouldn't be <laughs> shouldn't be showering with it, and you can sleep without it. Um, but the, what it does is it is it disposes your heart. You know, hey, look, I'm I'm wearing this. How many of us do that? You know, whenever we're tempted with sin, I'm wearing a crucifix. I am, you know, you might even feel protected by it. But that's only because it moves you in your behavior. Now, Sean, uh, we're just about out of time. Where can people find the book? <laughs> yeah, on Amazon.com or at Tan Books, or really, I'd go to your local Catholic bookstore and ask for it. There you go. Compendium of Sacramentals by Sean McAfee. God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day. You too, Adrian. And that's going to do it for the first hour. Coming up, Dave Palmer. We're talking about Thanksgiving right after this. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life, because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. And we just wrapped up a conversation with Sean McAfee talking about the brown scapular and other sacramentals. And I do have to say, I mean, I am contractually obligated by Our Lady to say I personally never take my my brown scapular off. No matter what, like, no matter what I do, I'm always wearing my brown scapular. In fact, I have multiples because I wear one when I shower, but then I leave it out to dry. So I wear one for when I shower and then I will have one and I use them. And I, I tie it in a knot so it doesn't get spin up together and I'll throw it in the washing machine with my clothes because uh, I got one made of 100 percent wool. So I mean, it's it's good to throw in the wash. So I just get it, put it with my colored clothes, toss it in the washing machine, dry it. So I have a few and I just switch them out. As they get dirty. How many them. has your uh, washer and dryer eaten? None. Really? Yeah. Not a you never one. lost one? Mm-mm. How many socks? Uh, I I don't lose socks. People talk about losing socks. I don't lose really? socks. Yeah. I never had that problem. Hmm. I don't understand why people have that problem. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, but, the, but yeah. So Our Lady promised. And I, I think about things in a logical way. So let's look at it as like an if-then statement, right? Our Lady said, you or he who dies wearing the brown scapular will not suffer eternal fire therefore if you do not do the if statement then you don't receive the promise that you have now i'm not saying that just because you don't wear the brown scapular means you're going to hell for sure if you die in a state of sanctifying grace you go to heaven you're at least purgatory but you won't receive the promise from our lady and so, obviously, I mean, it's not saying that if you ever take your scapula off, you're damned to hell or something, but you don't see the promise. So, I mean, you think about Thomas Merton and the fan falling into his tub, shocking him and killing him. Um, I don't want to end up like that. Or if I'm going swimming, what if I drown? I'm not going to take my brown scapula off when I'm swimming. What if I drowned? Or if I'm having surgery? Like JP2, whenever he was having surgery, he told the doctors not to take the brown scapula off and mm. to move it off to the side. And... You know what? That that brings up a really interesting point that I wanted to uh, to mention. There are people who put miraculous metals on their scapulars, mm. and I always caution them. I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. In fact, my scapular, it has a little pocket, so you could put that in there. And I always say, don't do that, because if they put you in an MRI machine, they're going to take your scapular off. And chances are, they're not going to put it back on, because in the MRI machine, you know, they're you know, it's, it's magnetic. So anything metal, it'll like sh- shoot off. What if I use like tin? 
like a tin uh, metal, one of those cheap pieces of metal. I don't know, man. They don't know what metal that is. They're going to just be like, oh, look, metal. Let me take it off. Mm. Take your scapular true, off. True. Now, we didn't have time to mention this with uh, with Mr. McAfee, but it's not just a matter of putting on the the, the scapular, right? I mean, there's there's actual things that you have oh, to- Oh, he mentioned those. Oh, he did. Yeah. Did you mention the rosary every day? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I must have missed that. Yeah. Um, the, the initial re- thing is that you have to actually do the little office of the Blessed Virgin. Mm-hmm. And the permission was granted that you can ask um, when getting enrolled to replace the little office with the rosary. Mm-hmm. Now, if you do not have- if you didn't, if you already were enrolled in the Brown Scapular and you didn't ask, your confessor can do that. Now, your confessor may not know about the Brown Scapular, unfortunately. So you may have to just tell them, like, hey, this is a thing. The You have to give me permission to say the rosary instead of the little office for a lady because you just do that. And most confessors will be like, okay, that's fine. But I've encountered priests who would be like, what are you talking about? And so you may have to look for a good priest or a priest that knows and get them to do it or maybe schedule an appointment or something. Uh, but your confessor can grant you that permission as well. Uh, but yeah, the original role is little office of our lady, but now it is the rosary. If you get permission, but you know, I am incredibly, incredibly thankful that God has granted us the grace of the blessed Virgin has, and Our Lady has granted us the grace of the sacramental of the brown scapular and the holy rosary in our life. And joining us right now to talk about Thanksgiving is Dave Palmer. Good morning to you, Dave. Good morning, Adrian. Nice transition. I, I like that. Thank you. Thank you. I crafted that over the course of the last hour. <laughs> I, was, I was working on that. So I'm glad. I appreciate yeah, yeah. The, uh, the recognition. That was awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was good, too. Good morning to you. Nice to be with you. <laughs> Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, we're talking about Thanksgiving today. And, of course, people would think, oh, you're talking about the holiday of Thanksgiving. But not necessarily. We're talking about gratitude. Now, tell me about this, Dave. Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of an easy uh, you know, choice of what to talk about on Back to the Father today since we're less than a week away from Thanksgiving. But I think, yeah, the whole connection like you, like you kind of imply there between Thanksgiving and gratitude and also ingratitude, which is can, can be a mortal sin, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, is something that we need to, to focus in on. Uh, in the Summa, the, the part about thankfulness and gratitude and ingratitude fall under justice, which uh, have to do with our relationship with others, uh, what are other people owed, principally what God is owed. And so I think it's something that, you know, it, it needs to be talked about more and maybe explain more because I think a lot of people just think, oh, yeah, of course, I'm supposed to be thankful. But they may not understand some of the the, the roots of, of the virtue and the vice associated with it. Right, right. And I think this is a huge problem in our day. I think there is a massive spirit of ingratitude. And I've heard people talk about this in the past, and uh, maybe you have experience or more um, insight into this. But I've been told that the number one reason for disputes in family life and marriages is ingratitude. Like they, there's not a, there's a lack of gratitude between the couple that people are like, oh, you never do X, Y, or Z. Oh, you never. And it's kind of like score counting and you're counting the points. Like we have to split up the work 50, 50 and we have to all pull our equal way. And there's a lack of 
gratitude between the spouses. Uh, do you know anything about this? Uh, yeah, well, being married, I mean, of course I, I do. And yeah, I would say that a, a person who appreciates his or her spouse is also going to be in a uh, happier marriage. You know, we were on a, a Life Live Joyfully the other day. I was on with Steve Gleason and we were talking about Proverbs 31. And we had these, uh, we were asking guys to call in and just, you know, what, what do you love about your wives? And these guys were calling in with just these beautiful, beautiful testimonies, almost bringing them to tears about how much they appreciated their wives. And, uh, you, you know, we, we, I didn't connect that necessarily to this conversation today. But as I look back, you know, that's, those are probably very happy marriages, uh, because the the man is very very thankful for his wife and what she brings to the marriage and just who she is you know as a child of god and his spouse and so and also i would say i think you'd agree uh, think of the people who you know in life who are grateful thankful people and they tend to be happier people and you know aquinas and aristotle would say our 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 summum bonum you know kind of the aim the thing that we all desire is happiness right happiness is beatitude beatitude is god so it all connects little little bits you know points of appreciation during the day all connect to our final end and i think that's probably what maybe is missing in our culture Right. And I think, I mean, the name of your show is very apropos, Back to the Father. And what is the number one thing that we should be grateful for? What is the number one thing that we should have Thanksgiving for, Dave? <sighs> We, we should be thankful to God for our very existence. You know, mm. Th- Thomas talks in the, in the part about uh, gratitude and ingratitude is he talks about uh, causation. You know, we should, it's like, you know, why should we be thankful for our parents? I mean, even if you have bad parents, uh, God forbid, they did bring you into a life, you know, they, they, they are your cause of, you know, in a sense, God, of course, ultimately is, but they're the cause for you to be in life. So ultimately, like I said, everything comes back to God and, he should be the recipient of of our far thankfulness. And Thomas talks about this interesting thing. He talks about a disinclination to virtue, a disinclination to virtue, which I think a lot of people have not by their own fault. They just were never really trained uh, to be thankful, to have gratitude. Maybe there's been too much emphasis on them and not you know what what they they owe back through a sense of justice. So there's a lot there's a lot of you know different you know, paths that we can go in talking about this. Right. And I loved uh, the bringing up of the fourth commandment right there, honor thy father and mother, because you're right. I mean, that's something that is ingrained in us. Like St. Thomas talks about how all the Ten Commandments you can come to know through reason alone. And it's just natural. You recognize your parents brought you to an existence. Even if you have bad parents, you have uh, a natural law obligation to honor them. And, and you could say in an analogous way to give thanksgiving for them, to, to be grateful for them, even though, even if they're not perfect. And I feel bad for everybody else because I'm the, I have perfect parents, unlike everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations on that. But yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, despair out there. And, you know, we, we hear it in the world and despair, according to Aquinas, is when you, you, you run away from a good, uh, which is interesting. And I think a lot of people who are, 
uh, feeling despair or, you know, like you say, say about having bad parents, you can still see them as a good, even though you, you may not, you know, under some circumstances be able to have a, uh, a, a relationship with them for, for whatever reason. But if you at least acknowledge that, you know, being children of God, they're good, it changes the whole outlook. But yeah, ultimately, I think if we learn to, uh, see every act of thankfulness and gratitude, ultimately being grateful to God, it changes our perspective and the little decisions we make. Dave, do you have the tradition of standing around the dining table on Thanksgiving Day and everyone mentioning what they're thankful for? We've done that before, but I, I can't say we do it uh, every single year. I think it's a good practice, though. Yeah. We used to do that, and we got super annoyed because people would go on and on and on, and I was like, I want to eat the ham now and um <laughs> they would keep going and now that i look back on it and on our reaction to it i kind of want to apologize and be like hey guys you know what we should go back to doing that and we should say go around saying what we're thankful for because there is so much in our lives that we should have gratitude for that we just don't right dave yeah, yeah, I think that's a great practice. In fact, uh, I'm actually going over to my sister's house on Thursday, so I can't really kind of set the rule of what we're going to be doing. You know, hey, we're doing this during dinner, but uh, I think it's a great practice. I'm also going to be with a lot of people. So I think that in our case, the turkey would get cold by the time we get to the end of that. Uh, everybody's saying what they're thankful for, but uh, I I think it's a, it's a great practice in principle for sure. Yeah, I always wanted to be the last person to go so i could say i'm thankful that we're done with this that way we can eat (laughs) but uh, a lot of thought went into that one apparently yeah Yeah. (laughs) well praise be to god praise be to god now the last thing we want to talk about before we run out of time here is the aspect of salvation like how grateful like you mentioned first being grateful for our creation by god him being our final cause but also Thanksgiving for the fact that Christ came and died for us, that way we may be saved. Yeah, and then that, of course that takes some some catechesis. You got to understand. I mean, we're not born knowing all the you know the the, the teachings on the charisma and our our salvation, and so that that requires some catechesis and understanding. You know what we should be grateful for in the first place, which brings another point, Adrian, which I, I'm glad you led into that. Is yeah, I mean, some people may not know, and I religion is a virtue. You know, giving due worship to God is a virtue. And so when we see these statistics these days about, you know, 20, 25% of Catholics going to Mass on Sundays, uh, you know, of course, we got to be, you know, pastoral and and not say, you are, you know, that's a crime against, you know, injustice against God. But ultimately it is. I mean, if you're not going to Mass, that's that's ultimately a, a sin of ingratitude because you're not you're not recognizing the virtue of religion which is owed to God and it's a very very high virtue falling under the the, the cardinal virtue of justice right well i'm looking forward to hearing more about this coming up on back to the father where can people stay in touch with you and tune in for to back to the father yeah, it's going to be today at 1 o'clock, all the Guadalupe Radio Network social media sites of uh, YouTube and Facebook and X. And we're also going to tie this into something called a spirituality of awareness, which we didn't get a chance to talk about uh, during this segment. But uh, that's, I think, very, very key. So uh, join us today, 1 o'clock Central Time. Back to the Father. Thank you, Adrian. I appreciate the conversation. Praise be to God. And uh, the email list is what? 
Uh, back to the father at grnonline.com. Easy so enough. Email back to the father at grnonline.com. All right. God bless you, Dave. God love you. And we'll see you at one. All right. Thanks. I appreciate you, Adrian. <laughs> I'm thankful. And we are going into our fear and trembling game show. You can call now to be our winner. Today's the day we give away the prize. So call in 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Plus, I want to know what you're thankful for as well. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Could there be just one word that truly sets the Catholic Church apart from all other churches? Yes, there is. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. That word is retain. How can one word bring such distinction? Well, understanding that retain means to hold back or to keep. Jesus tells the apostles, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Secondly, so what does that world say about sin? The therapist says, forgive yourself. New Agers say it's just a state of mind. And the evangelical says, just tell Jesus no matter how grave the sin, he'll forgive you directly. And finally, the word retain. We all know that non-Catholics don't go to a pastor to confess grave sins. Why? Because in Protestant thinking, you get to leapfrog humans and go directly to Jesus. And guys, let's don't hide under the newest term, be accountable. Hey, we all will be accountable up to the point that it hurts, is embarrassing, or is criminal. My priest can say, Steve, your sin's not forgiven. Does your pastor? I think not. Why? Have you ever heard backlash, decreasing church attendance, and loss of revenue? Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. Plus, you can always find us on grnonline.com forward slash cdt. All of our information is listed there. Our phone number, you can always put it in your speed dial. Mark it as GRN because this is our number for pretty much all the GRN shows. So back to the father, the spirit world, and the fear and trembling game show. All of that, it's all listed there. You can put it in your speed dial, 877-757-9424. Now, you may be asking, what's going on? What are we playing with? Well, I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy. Rudy's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy? What could they win? Praise be to God. This week, we are giving away a little teeny tiny pocket prayer book. And you're wondering, a teeny tiny prayer book? Well, what's so special about that? Well, it's actually a vintage one. So you're going to have all of these wonderful, wonderful prayers, a treasury of prayers in your pocket. Think of how much that's going to edify your spiritual life, your confessions, your examinations of conscience, your thanksgivings. 
And this was generously given to us by a Magnificat Handmade, which is a punny name, and they seek to restore all things in Christ. They're uh, a, uh, a shop that's dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows and specializes in restoring all kinds of liturgical items, especially books. So thank you very much, Magnificat Handmade, for sponsoring our game show this week. Well, praise be to God. Thank you very much uh, for Magnificat Handmade. A, a great pun. Mm. An amazing pun. I'm glad it was explained to me because I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, is it spelled like handmade or nope. is it spelled? It's handmade as in my hands made this. Oh, okay. Okay. Get it? get it? I ah, get it. Ah, he's starting to connect there. Oh, man. I want to laugh. But at the same time, I want to cry. <laughs> it was not what I was going to say, but okay. All right. Joining us right now is Arvin. Good morning to you, Arvin. Hey, good morning. How are you? I have Bella, my daughter, in the back, too. So. Hey, Hi, good Bella. Morning. Praise be to God. It's good to hear your voice. Now, Bella, what grade are you in? Fourth. Fourth grade. Wow. Fourth Praise grade supremacy. God. I know. There's a second fourth grader we've heard this week. Very impressed. Now, I'm Very curious, impressed. Bella, what is your favorite subject in school? Uh, music. Music? Let's go! Bella, do you play an instrument? Do you know how to sing? I do choir. <gasps> she does That's choir. amazing. Praise be to God. Now, you, what you got to do is you got to go up to your, your choir master and be like, hey, um, can we like start a scola it's polyphony and learn or Gregorian nothing. chant? That would be epic. And then I want to drive to, uh, where are y'all calling in from? We are calling from Midland. We're actually Midland? on our way to school. Wait, we were right at school whenever we, y'all picked up. Oh. We pulled over so that she can actually compete because we listen to y'all every single day. Well, wow, praise be to God. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. We, well, I'm going to have to, uh, you're going to have to learn Gregorian chant, Bella, so that way I can drive to Midland and hear your sacred music concert. All right, Bella? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Are y'all ready to play? Are y'all familiar with the game? Oh, you just yes, said we are. are very familiar with the game. And we before are. we jump in, I just remembered. I was going to ask, what are y'all thankful for? We are thankful. There's so much to be thankful for. Life in general. Uh, we were listening to y'all earlier, and we prayed just right before um, for existence. Mm. Y'all were very right that we just need to be thankful that we exist. Amen. Uh, just as simple as that. So, no, we're thankful for everything. Family, our lives, uh, just everything that we've gone through, struggles and things that we've surpassed and just very thankful. Amen. Amen. And Bella, are you grateful for dad? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump into the game. Y'all are familiar. Y'all know how to play. I'm sure y'all are going to do great. Let's jump into question number one, Rudy. Question number one. Which prayer? I just combined multiple words there. Watch. I said watch. Which? There we go. Watch which. Which prayer or what prayer is considered the most important of all the prayers. The most important prayer that there ever was mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was the one that was taught to us mm. by our Lord himself. That makes sense. He's the one who was sitting up on the hill, and I just want to just get Ignatian for a minute here. All right. Just imagine the wind going through the reeds, <sighs> clouds rolling by, wow. and up on the hill is our Lord, and he says, he lifts up his arm, he's pointing up, and he says, I'm about to teach you something. It's the Our Father. Our Father, what are you talking about? He says, this is how you're going to pray. Our Father, etc., etc., and so forth, and so forth. That's the most important prayer. Sed libra nos amalo. Amen. Wow. 
Praise be to God. All right, Arvin and Bella. The question on the board is 15 seconds on the clock, which is considered the most important of all the prayers. Rudy says, well, we asked our Lord teach us to pray and he taught us to pray. And what our Lord teaches has to be the best. So it's got to be the Our Father. What say you, Bella and Arvin from Midland, Texas? What do you think, Isabella? Yes, all right, let's find out. Survey says... That is correct! Way to go, Bella! At least we're in the drawing now. Good job, Bill. Very good. Praise be to God. You guys are rocking it. Um, One already, and she's clearly a very, very intelligent young lady. I've noticed this. I've noticed this. Probably a sign of a good father is my guess. All right, Bella, are you all ready for question number two? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Rudy, question number two for you. What is the term for two small pieces of woolen cloth Widow tiny with a pieces. holy picture on them, which are worn over the shoulders? Yes, that's a French tradition. You know, French people, they are very you know, effervescent. Effervescent. They're uh, really into fashion. Oh, that's so true. they created this. Mm. It's called the wool chalice. The wool chalice? Wool chalice. Wow, I'm going to have French people if you ask emailing me, me about this. I mean, you asked me to read it out, I would just say the wool chalice. The wool chalice. But I'm not Ish. talking about the thing you drink out of. I'm talking chalice. C H A L L. Is wow! I am so confused. All right, Bella and Arvin, y'all are clearly being. I'm certain. I'm certain you guys are fashionistas. Uh, Gotta be. I mean, makes sense. Uh, Arvin and Bella, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what is the term for two small pieces of woolen cloth with a holy picture of them, which are worn over the shoulders? Rudy says it's the wool chalice or the. Or the wool chalice. Wool chalice. All right, Arvin and Bella. What say y'all? Or is he right or is he uh, wrong? Uh, we are in disagreement, but we're going to go with Bella's answer. What do you say, Bella? Uh, scal- she yeah. thinks it's a scapular. All right. Let's find scapular. out. Survey says... That is correct. Uh, Way Somebody Way was go. listening earlier. Uh, easy peasy. Yes, it's called a scapular because it's laid over the scapula. On your, it's a body part. Uh, yeah. There you by go. the way, I want to issue a former apology. Don't ever take your scapular off. I was convinced. <laughs> I was convinced during the break not to take it off. I <laughs> repent of having given you that advice. The, Don't take it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, folks. There you go. Praise be to God. The uh, great humility of Rudy just exemplified right there. All right, Arvin and Bell, y'all ready for question number three? Yeah, Bella's answering all of them because I would have got that wrong. Man, Bella is a, clearly a theologian. She's a musician and a theologian um, like many she, of the saints. There are many saints who are musicians Yeah, and she theologians. was born in the church, and I'm a convert, so maybe that explains it. <laughs> you know, I always always tell people they're older than me, but then uh, they're converts. I'm like, dude, I've been Catholic way longer. <laughs> 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 all right, question number three for you, Rudy. Mm-hmm. The question on the board is, who is the patron saint of China? China. China. As some would say, China. You have to like flare out your lips. China. 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 <laughs> Who is the patron saint of China? Believe it or not, it was Confucius. 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 He. Yeah. And there's this. There's a pious story, and it's supported by pious tradition. Mm. 
Saint that- which pious? Pius tenth. What? Oh, pious tradition. Pious tradition. Oh, dude. oh, oh not, Man, not the you pope. threw me off just there. <laughs> no, not the pope. It's a pious tradition that he met Saint Francis Xavier. Oh. And he converted upon meeting him. Wow. He was like, I'm abandoning all of this naturalism. I'm going to become Catholic. And so Confucius later became like a force for good in China. He became a saint. Wow. Recognized by the church. Wow. I did not realize Praise that. Praise be to God. Okay. All right. Well, Arvin and Bella, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, who is the patron saint of China. Well, oh, I know. Rudy said, Confucius says that he converted to Catholicism before his death by St. Francis Xavier Cabri, or St. Francis Xavier. Um, wow, that's super interesting, especially considering Confucius died in 479 BC. But what say y'all, Arvin and Bella? Uh, is he right or is he wrong? So Rudy confused us. Are we saying Confucius is the right answer? He is saying Confucius is the right answer. No, then that is wrong. Then that is wrong, he said. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Survey says that is correct. Way to go. The correct answer is St. Francis Xavier, uh, separated by over a thousand years in difference. So definitely (laughs) did not meet each other. All right, Um, Taylor, unchain the drummer boy. Yes, let let the drummer boy go. We're going to draw a name right now, so stay on the line with us. Could be your name. I'm going to spill it out. He's spilling it out. He's grabbing one. All right. Which one do you Uh, want me to pick? Grab the third one. This one? Yeah, that one. This one. That one. You sure? Uh Uh-huh. Are you sure? Yeah, do that one. Do that one. (laughs) Wow. It is... Who is this? Oh, no. Drummer boy, you're doing a great job, man. He's a a The cadence, the cadence, uh, it's very hard to... We should feed him. Yeah. Yeah, maybe later. Okay, well, uh, let me see here. The winner is... And the winner, Drummer Boy. I just got to hand it to Drummer Boy. You're doing a great job, Drummer Boy. I'm thankful for him. This never happens, by the way. Except for It is. Week. No way. Is it really? It is, who is that? Uh, Bella! It's Bella! Oh, <laughs> Bella won! That's Bella. Wow, that's oh. the second time that's happened. Second Friday in a row. Second Friday in a row. All right, guys, we're out of time. Stay on the line with us. But God bless you. God love you. We're going to get your dad's phone number and contact information. But we'll be back Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. And don't go anywhere. We're going to put you on hold. God bless you. God love you. I'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. St. Elizabeth of Hungary. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio online and those here present. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. 
our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison Christe eleison Kyrie eleison Let us pray. O God, by whose gift St. Elizabeth of Hungary recognized and revered Christ in the poor, grant through her intercession that we may serve with unfailing charity the, need, the needy and those afflicted. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. All men were by nature foolish and who were in ignorance of God and who from the good things seen did not succeed in knowing him who is and from studying the works did not discern the artisan. But either fire or wind or the swift air or the circuit of the stars or the mighty water or the luminaries of heaven, the governors of the world, they considered gods. Now, if out of joy in their beauty they thought them gods, let them know how far more excellent is the Lord than these. For the original source of beauty fashioned them. Or if they were struck by their might and energy, let them from these things realize how much more powerful is he who made them. For from the greatness and the beauty of created things, their original author by analogy is seen. But yet for these the blame is less. For they indeed have gone astray perhaps, though they seek God and wish to find him. For they search busily among his works, but are distracted by what they see, because the things seen are fair. But again, not even these are pardonable. For if they so far succeeded in knowledge that they could speculate about the world, 
How did they not more quickly find its Lord? The Word of the Lord. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day pours out the word to day, and night to night imparts knowledge. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Not a word, nor a discourse, whose voice is not heard. Through all the earth their voice resounds, and to the ends of the world their message. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Stand erect and raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Similarly, as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. On the day when Lot left Sodom, fire and brimstone rained from the sky to destroy them all so will it be on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, someone who is on the housetop and whose belongings are in the house must not go down to get them, and likewise one in the field must not return to what was left behind. Remember the wife of Lot. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses it will save it. I tell you, on that night there will be two people in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. And there will be two women grinding meal together. One will be taken, the other left. They said to him in reply, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the body is, there also the vultures will gather. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That beautiful reading in the first reading from the Book of Wisdom, it reminds us that you know God created everything, and yet when we look at the if we look at the universe, and its in its grandeur, it is nothing compared to the greatness of God. Interesting enough, I was listening to Father uh, Spitzer, who's an astrophysicist, and he mentioned today that it's about sixty nine percent of scientists believe in some higher being, whether that's God or intelligent design or whatever it might be. Because when you look at our universe, and the more and more that we come to understand it, they realize that everything is so fine-tuned, precisely fine-tuned, so that life can exist in this universe, 
that there's no way that it could be, it could not be some kind of intelligent design that formed this. Because everything just a little bit off this way or a little bit off that way, and of course we would not have the universe that we have today, and we wouldn't be here. Everything is so fine-tuned to the cosmological constant, to what we call there's, that the universe has low entropy. If it has low entropy, that means things sort of disintegrate or um, f fall, fall apart at a slower rate. If they fell apart too fast, then you may not have hydrogen and all these other elements, so on and so forth. I don't know understand, understand all the science behind it, but the fact is that everything is so fine-tuned that it's perfect. And yet, and that's what that reading says, that even you know, those who recognized this in ancient times, of course, then thought how beautiful this is, this must be a god. And this must be a god. And so they, we can at least give them you know, the benefit of the doubt that they didn't see past that. And then it goes on to say, well, they, they, but we shouldn't give them the benefit of the doubt because they recognize that those things are so great. And they should have recognized that there must be something greater that made this. What about for us? Do we see the greatness, the, the majesty, the omni om omniscience of God in the universe when we try to even just to look up at the sky, if we look up at the sky <laughs> or, or at the stars? And yet, and yet all of that compares, pales, of course, to the presence of God. And then all of that is nothing compared to the grace that exists in each of our souls. The divine life that God has given to us is greater when he redeemed us than all of the beauty of creation. Somebody, I think, who recognized this, and of course touches upon the gospel today, is our saint today, Saint Elizabeth of Hungary who came from royal dignity. Uh, she was a princess. Very, she was um, given in marriage, basically, when she was a, a child. It was an arranged marriage. They did those things back then in the 13th century. And uh, it was, she was probably married when she was about probably 13, 16, something like this. Had three children. But she had something within her where she had to give to the poor. She saw the poor and had to, had to do something in order to leave their plight. Well, in fact, she gave herself so much. Her husband died when she was probably about 20, very early on, going out to the Crusades. He never think he even made it. He died along the way. And she was left by herself with three children and even kicked out of her castle because they thought that she had mismanaged the money. It was only when all those people, the Crusaders, who came back that they sort of figured out what had all happened and didn't blame her. But then she gave everything away. To, for, for love of the poor and became poor herself and she died at the age of 24 so young so young but this need to give because of the greatness of God that she saw that her life she had to give her life away because all of these things that are left behind you know that, that we consider so great is it's nothing it pales in comparison to the greatness of God and something deep in her soul realized this, so that she had to give herself. And so Jesus explains in the gospel, where is all this going to happen? He says, well, where the body is, there also the vultures will gather. And of course, if we, if we kind of become so attached to the things of this world, that we, we see that they're beautiful and good, but if we don't recognize that there's something greater and better that awaits us, that God is forming us for, then we'll get, we'll get caught here. And may even call these things gods because they're so great. 
but we'll lose our perspective and we'll lose our vision and our way. Let us ask St. Elizabeth of Hungary, this beautiful and holy woman who really exercised her authority and power in, in such an amazing way by giving, of course, to the poor and those who are in need. May we learn from her to set our sights on heaven. May that be our greatest joy and delight and recognize the majesty and love of God in creation, but then also to that we don't make the, crea the creation, uh, we don't substitute the creation for the creator. Amen. We turn to our Heavenly Father in prayer, asking for his blessings on all those in need. For our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and all who are called to leadership in the church, that their work may be blessed and bear abundant fruit. Let us pray to the Lord. For leaders of nations, inspired by the example of St. Elizabeth of Hungary, that they will strive to see that the needs of the poor and the defenseless are provided for. Let us pray to the Lord. Mindful, too, of those who exploit the poor and rob them of their dignity, that they may turn away from sin and towards Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that we may work for reconciliation and peace in our hearts, in our homes, in our community, and in the world. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who are sick or homebound, that they may know the comforting presence of Jesus. We pray too for the deceased members of our families and of our community, that they may have eternal life with God in heaven. Let us pray to the Lord. For the intentions of those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, and those here present, when this Mass is being offered, let us pray to the Lord. Gracious God, Hear our prayers and grant them for the good of your children who now call upon you. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands it will become for us the bread of life. Let's be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Receive, O Lord, the offerings of your people, 
and grant that we who celebrate your son's work of boundless charity may by the example of blessed Elizabeth of Hungary be confirmed in love of you and of our neighbor through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you are praised in the company of your saints, and in crowning their merits you crown your own gifts. By their way of life you offer us an example. By communion with them you give us companionship. By their intercession sure support. So that encouraged by so great a cloud of witnesses, we may run as victors in the race before us and win with them the imperishable crown of glory through Christ our Lord. And so with the angels and archangels and with the great multitude of the saints, we sing the hymn of your praise as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenisun Geli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. 
Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatam undi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccatam undi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatam undi, dona nobis pace. Behold, the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
for those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, we adore Thee, who in Thy love divine conceal Thy mighty Godhead in forms of bread and wine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, All praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O Jesus, we adore thee, our victim and our priest, whose precious blood and body become our sacred feast. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we who are renewed by these sacred mysteries may follow the example of Blessed Elizabeth of Hungary, who honored you with tireless devotion and by surpassing charity was of service to your people through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary, full Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, 
thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.